0: And welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Mel DeJoya, I am so excited to have you as a guest for She's the Boss Chats. Thank you so much for agreeing.
1: Thanks for having me. It's been a it's a pleasure.
0: <laughs> Mine too. Okay, so let's start off with telling everybody what it is that you do um, and why. Give us a little brief <laughs> synopsis.
1: <laughs> All right. that's a It's a deep question, that one, actually. But I think at the heart I am calling myself a STEM advocate and right. the way that I promote people in STEM uh, is through podcasts and that sort of medium.
0: <laughs> that's very Which sure. is amazing. Okay, so what's... So tell us, what's the name of
1: your business? So I'm, I, have, my business is called Ramily Media, and we're yeah. specialists in telling STEM stories. And it's all, at the moment, we're focusing on podcasts. So we specialize in telling stories from science, technology, engineering, or maths. And mm-hmm. yeah, and creating podcasts for people, inviting people onto the network that already have existing podcasts, uh, and also creating Amazing. our own content as well.
0: Oh, look, I think there are going to be so many people interested in this because podcasts really are on everyone's lips at the moment, aren't they? I mean, here it's we so are doing right podcasts podcast to talk about podcasts. <laughs> but <laughs> So why did you set it up? Why have you gone down the podcasting route? Oh, and I'm also going to say, why have you called yourself Ramily Media?
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so Ramily, I'll, I'll start with it. That's a short, sharp one. So I called Ramily Media okay. after a lot of in-depth conversations with my husband about naming ideas and stuff. But when I looked into STEM, as in the acronym STEM, I discovered that it wasn't, it was a kind of new term. It wasn't around all the time. So uh, in my days, in the nineties, when I was in school, it was actually known as SMET, S-M-E-T. But in 2001, Dr. Judith Ramilly, who's an American, she was working for like some sort of American- Education Board. She had this paper and she's like, I don't like the sound of SMET. I'm going to change it to STEM. And so in 2001, it was the first, as far as I can find the first recorded use of the acronym STEM wow. to do science, technology, engineering, and maths. And I thought, I like that idea of what she did. She didn't change STEM or SMET. She didn't change the the words or the meaning. No, she just changed she ju- She changed the order. So that's kind of what podcasts do in my head in that we take, especially for Ramelee, in, in that we focus on STEM. So we, we're not changing the, the knowledge or uh, what's going on. We're actually just shuffling it around to make it easier and more enjoyable for people to listen to. And I thought that was a yes, really nice connection there.
0: I love it. I love it. Wow. That is actually a much deeper answer than I thought I would
1: yeah. there you go. <laughs> but it was short. And, uh, and I can't remember what your first question was. It was a, that was a lot more. So the first bitter. question was, I
0: know, we well, uh, you, I shouldn't ask multi, multi questions <laughs> in one, but so the question is, why did you decide to go into podcasting? Why did you set it up?
1: Wow. Well, okay. That, uh, is a, Yeah, you you said the rambling story was a deep one. Yeah, that was a deep question. Um, So (laughs) I'm going to jump over a lot of things here, but basically, I worked in technology. I was an IT project manager for about 20 years. And I'd worked Mm -hmm. in this space for that long, and I had no idea about STEM or SMET or anything like that. I didn't know. I just did my job. I loved doing it. And yeah. A few things, basically I sat, um, I my company that I worked with for 11 years, they would second me out to clients and I would roll out latest technology. And I was on a, what we call on the bench at, uh, between, right. uh, between people. And uh, to give you a little bit of a further background, my husband's an engineer and right. he was hating the industry. Like he was very disillusioned by it. He was always saying it's a race to the bottom that nobody cared about the, oh. you know, the, the industry or the people in it or anything like that. He just really was disappointed in general by society's understanding or lack thereof, of engineering. So I'm sitting here of engineers. Yeah. yeah, of engineers and the important role they have. So <laughs> I'm sitting there on the bench hearing in his head, like hearing in my head constantly him going, Oh, it's so terrible. So terrible. And I discovered podcasts at that time. So pretty much at the beginning of my time on the bench, I discovered my first podcast. And three weeks later, I launched Be With An Engineer, which was my response (laughs) to my husband's complaining about the engineering industry. I'm like, well, let's do something about it. I've heard about this podcast thing.
0: Right, I was going to say, why did you think podcast of all things? It's just really interesting.
1: I just, I wanted, so it comes down to the whole (coughs) I wanted to actually promote I, I didn't I have, I have an engineer as a husband. my father's an engineer. a lot of our friends are engineers and honestly at that stage I had no idea. What engineers did, or what it meant, and he seemed to have this big <laughs> ideal that engineers were important to society. And I thought, well, let's talk about this more, and let's talk to engineers and see what their story is all about. And I thought podcasts were a really easy medium to get into. I was really hooked. Yeah. Like you know, honestly, in that three weeks between from discovering podcasts to launching Be With an Engineer, I was listening to everything. I was raving about it. I was just in love with the medium. And I thought I can do this, and so I spent my time on the bench, investigating, listening to pod, other podcasts about how to, watching YouTube on discovering how to do it. I'd come on my lunch break, I'd go out and buy a microphone, and I'd come home at that night. Go, okay, we're going to test this. We're going to record, and I didn't know what I was doing. Oh, wow. I would not recommend people to take only three weeks to launch, <laughs> but um, yeah. So ah. I kind of picked podcasts. As just a like a this'll be a fun thing to do and to talk to engineers. And bloody hell, it took a life of its own. Like it just grew. And I'm not
0: surprised because uh, like you say, engineers just don't get any love anywhere. So all of a sudden for you to focus on it, you'd have every single engineer and family member of an engineer and any wannabe. Engineers and young kids and all sorts—I imagine it
1: just—it just opened up a dialogue, and I think I can pretty confidently say, at back those days, like two thousand and eighteen, there was maybe one or two other podcasts that were dedicated to engineers, and that's globally, and that's in those days where there were a million podcasts. Nobody was wanting to talk to these people or find out more about them, <laughs> and oh, so um, by by now. It's- that's a little bit better, but I'm still going to wave around that there's maybe a handful, like 10, no more than 20 podcasts that really focus in on engineers. And so I kind of, I I really feel like that's a gap in society from engineering. Even now I can spin stories about technology or science, everything's about Communication of science and communication technology, but there's no like yeah. poor little engineers get stuck in the middle there, and they're the they're the applied sciences. They're the ones that are building it physically and taking a lot of the responsibility. Well, I was going to say,
0: well, let, well let's uh, as you're saying, and I only I I don't think I ever really knew what engineers did until I got together with my partner who loves engineering. Um and we and we have to go off and what look at bridges and yes. things because the way they've been made and oh my god. I take god, photos. But. I take
1: photos of engineering things now and send it to him and I'm like, look at this hydraulic booster set or something like that. And he was like, Oh Mel. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. That is
0: so funny. So so let's talk about what engineers actually do now before we go any further, just in case anyone is sort of dancing on the edges but doesn't really know. Can you explain yeah. what an engineer does?
1: So engineers are building society around us. So from the most visual side of things, they're responsible for ensuring that the buildings that go up stay up, that they don't fall down and that the water flows from one end of the building to another end and out the door and things like that. So engineers are the actual designers of the buildings. Like you've got the architect, they're great at, you know, promoting themselves. They're the ones that put all the pretty finishings and this goes there. And the builders are the one that slaps it all together. But the engineers have to take the visual, like the design that the architect's done, and convert it so that the builder can build it properly because they've, you know, these engineers have had many years of studying so they understand right. the flows of water. They understand the flow of electricity uh, and, and things like that. So they're the the conduit between, you know, the architect and they're the They're kind of like and
0: inventors and builders in some way, aren't they? They
1: are. Yeah, they are. So, you know, a building my husband's working on now uh, this this designer had this idea of this waving ah. rooftop and these green walls and just these beautiful. It, it really did push the boundaries, but it was the engineer's responsibility to make that a reality, to put it into real make life, it and what does that make it possible? So take this dream yeah. and make it possible. So it, when you look at STEM, so scientists come up with these amazing discoveries, but it's the engineers that will actually put it into society and embed that knowledge into how we do it. So, you know, you know, the, the telephone, an idea, it's an idea, we, you know, all the iPhones all in one place. It's software engineers, it's, you know, electrical engineers, all putting that all pieces together. There's a lot of uh, engineer work, blood, sweat and tears that goes into those sort of things. So engineers, and I'm not an engineer. So, I mean, I'm just scratching the surface and that's just building. No, but building. that's great.
0: That's great because you get to ask questions that we would all want answered because you don't have that background and not getting bogged (laughs) down in the technical side of things because that is only the one thing I'd say about engineers. They do love technical stuff.
1: (laughs) They do. And that was a beauty with being with an engineer, which is now called Engineering Heroes, actually. So I- gone through that. Whole yes, we bit. should
0: talk about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So engineering heroes, uh, I was the, I was the layman, so to speak. So my, Dom was the guest, he was the host. And so he would talk to the engineer about engineering speak. And when they got too deep into it, I'm like, well, what are you talking about right now? So I would be that person as if a, a regular <laughs> person was listening yes. and trying to keep up. So uh, that, you know, that whole journey that I've taken with, be with an engineer has been, has led me to Ramley, honestly.
0: Amazing! I love it, and certainly in the she's the boss group, we've got another woman, Michelle Brown, who um, has a side hustle, which we know her for. But she's an aerospace engineer when she's not <laughs> doing paper paper booking and scrapbooking. And I just think it's brilliant. I love <laughs> hearing about it. Okay, so now I am interested, really, in taking you right back, um, and for you to tell us how your career has unfolded. So. Let's start with you as a little girl. Uh, Where did you grow up? How big was the family? What were the role models? That kind of thing. And then keep going from there. And I'll ask you questions along the way. (laughs)
1: Okay. So right back. So (laughs) a little bit about me. Um, So my dad was in the Navy and my Mm mum was a teenager. My mum was 19 when she had me. Wow. Uh, And dad was was young as well. He was like 24. Four twenty-three. 23. Uh, so I was, yeah. uh, as dad says, I was the best mistake he ever made. And um, I know, so they're so cute. They're still together. They've had an amazing <laughs> life together. And uh, so I was actually born up in Darwin after Cyclone Tracy, uh, dad was up there wow. still cleaning up after about three or four years. I was still up, being stationed up there. And then he got moved down to Canberra where my sister was born. So my sister and I are very close in age and we're very close in right. you know, family. It's a, it's a very close knit family, honestly. Nice. Uh, so it's just yes. my sister and me and mum and dad and the home was Sydney. So we moved around a little bit, but home was always Sydney. And I grew right. up more or less in Sydney in the inner West. Uh, which I love the Inner West Very cool, yes. I lived in Sydney
0: briefly in the Inner West and I thought it was great and now I live in Melbourne in the Inner West, so I've got an Inner Ah, West thing going on.
1: I do love Melbourne. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so I grew up in that area and I didn't know, I was one of those kids that I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I had no I, I love romance books. I would read romance books and I was just hiding from life a lot because as a teenager, people would ask you, what do you want to do? And I'm like, I have no idea. I want to save the world maybe. I don't know. How, and I don't know how that oh, did. And okay. <laughs> I was I was intelligent, but like I was doing three-unit maths and three-unit English and uh, and such, but I just didn't have, I honestly, I had no direction. So I took a year off and that ended up, I ended up working for Vodafone, which was just new in Australia then, and I ended up taking okay. another year off. So I took two years off because I just I took the, I take it as a gap year because I just had no idea what I wanted to do. So and what were
0: you doing with Vodafone though? What were you doing was, with Vodafone in the meantime?
1: Oh, honest, I, I was I was eighteen, so I was just um, on the call desk. I was like customer a, service. Okay. So nothing, nothing right. special or things and and then i decided i had a I, you know, I didn't see a future in that so i thought i'm going to go to university it was always something on the cards there so i didn't know what i wanted to do at uni but i wanted to i wanted to know more about the world around us so i got into a, an environmental science degree and was, I loved it. Oh, I about rocks and tectonics and I did – I sideswiped a lot of technology, so geographical information services, GIS, that sort of stuff. So I really enjoyed mm-hmm. doing the environmental science things and learning about the world around us. I feel like I hadn't delved into that enough at high school, so I really – just was a passion. And then I got to the end of that three-year course. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do now with this degree? And so I I did a dip ed. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a dip ed and (laughs) I was, I still remember I was at the beginning. So the first month. Yeah. Well, the idea was to be a high school teacher and I was in the first year, first, it was a one-year course. So I was in the first month of it and I was talking to my advisor. I'm like, I hate kids. I hate them. I don't like this. I don't. I was doing crack and I'm like, I don't like this. I was sitting in those crack said, classes of, you know, creating software to make life easier. I was trying to always streamline and make things easier uh, for the teacher. And I now realise right. like 10, 20 years later that, that that I'd know what I was doing then. I was creating some sort of um, CRM workspace Place that was ahead of its time, but I never did it. But yeah, I had this concept of um, the technology. So um, I realized I then went to England and went and travelled teaching. It was a really. It was. I hated it. I hated it. So what happened? Immensely.
0: You finished. You finished uni, and you thought, "What am I going to do?" So I'll go travel and yeah. take my dip head, which of course is a great thing for travelling because you can it take was. it anywhere.
1: It really did. Now, it did England? open the doors. Um, I could get an Ancestry visa. They speak English. Okay. Um, I did yep. I did summer camp over in America at, during, you know, 9-11. I was over there um, at a summer camp, which Gosh. was – it really did embed in me how much I hated teaching kids. And, um, <laughs> and then I
0: <laughs> – Hang on though, Can I ask, why did you go to summer camp in the US? Was that you being um, a, a, oh, a camp just... counsellor or whatever? Yeah, or I was, was a camp, camp counsellor.
1: I was a camp counsellor. Right. So how did you, uh, how,
0: what was that, straight out of school?
1: Yeah, I think I'd finished and that was my summer, that was something to do in 2000. It's just a, really interesting. Yeah, I was I was really, I wanted to see the world more. I really did. And right. I thought I'll do camp counsellor. I had my degree behind me, so I was really quite a good shoe-in. I was over 21, which was a consideration for drinking. Um, so okay. I just went over <laughs> there and, you know, it, you know, it was a, an amazing time, and being over there during nine eleven, I you know, it really did freaked out.
0: Um, did you did you just go? Oh my god, how am I going to get home? Apart from anything else,
1: I was. I'm very calm in crisis. I'm like that. I mean, I was yeah. in World Trade Center a week before it all went down. So, uh, you know, getting stopped in the middle of an Oklahoma <laughs> field and getting bomb checks, and then being stranded because I. Uh, couldn't physically get out of Chicago on trains or planes or anything like I'd planned. So, you know, I no. ended up driving across America with some guys that I met at a youth hostel and having the best time, like seeing seeing America from that and just evolving. Like everyone at home was freaking out. But I, yeah. I'm very um, – I, I learned a lot about myself and I can see how I can – even now when there's a crisis, I'm very calm and, you know, action focused and let's get out. What are we going to do? So I was the one that found the car while the guys I was traveling with, they were having little heart attacks and living in front of the TV. I'm like, okay, we need to do something here and get moving and work out how we are going to, you know, (coughs) get across America out of, uh, yeah. So um, there was, so I did that for, you know, that was about six months. Uh, And then I went over to the UK and taught there for about two weeks. I had a student jump out of a ground floor window and I'm like, f this! Oh, I've had God. enough. Like they, they just right. they were like, see you miss, you, you, you know, you oh, right. mean nothing okay. to me. Yeah, it wasn't a no, it wasn't a mental health situation. It was like a pissed off teenager True, who, didn't wanna, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who didn't want to, yeah, who didn't want to sit there, uh, with a 22 year old student teacher and learn whatever it was I was teaching them. And I'm like, fair call, cool. yeah, good yeah. on you. Like okay. I hate this. I hate it, the staff room <laughs> so mentality. So how do you
0: stay in the UK?
1: I ended up staying How there for about stay in the UK. Did you just Well, that's book. where I discovered project management. So, um right. after I finished gave up teaching. I, I essentially said that's it. I've done I've done my teaching. It was a total 80 days including uh including the practice I did. So, I just gave that up and I'm like what am I going to do? I went to I found a job working as a a call center, another customer service center, and I thought I need to improve this area. So I was working. I accidentally sideswiped a project and helped them deliver on like earlier than they had anticipated. And I'm like, "What's this project stuff that you're doing?" And, yeah, and well, well talk
0: to me about it because I because I worked in advertising and I was like a project manager as well. Um, so it is a very generic term. What do you mean specifically when you say project management?
1: So they these are your own little ecosystems. So within a business you have business as usual, which is delivering mm-hmm. on your core deliverable. And then you have yep. within your business you have project arms which are trying to improve or uh, roll out new things. So they're short term or I mean short when I say they're they're single pieces units of work that have a deadline and that's the project. And yes. usually it's an independent team that oh, right, comes in and specifically
0: do that. Not specifically around technology because I always well, thought project means something different in technology. Uh, you no. can get
1: all sorts of different projects. You can you can get people rolling out new software. You, I mean, a lot of projects I worked on were technology. So uh, that first okay. one was all about um, rolling out a new customer service process so they can move their call center off site. Uh, but the next project I worked on was a retention one. So it was a huggy feely HR one, all about how to keep people <laughs> in uh in the the stores. Yeah. So it's the projects just the key of the project is it has all a different. deadline. Yeah, and they can be all different, but they have to have it. yeah, they have to have a finish date. And I spent 20 years from mm-hmm. that time onwards just uh, I came back to Australia and I just was projects, project, project, project. I loved them. I loved them to death. For and big corporates? Who were yeah, your clients so, or who were you? Uh, mainly Finn. Fin, so uh, HSBC, okay. AMP, they were the two biggies. So I worked at As AMP an employee
0: th- or a contractor?
1: As a contractor. So I worked for Cognizant, okay. which is a global IT company, and we were actually. So Cognizant would send me out to various people, but mainly A&P because I knew their systems and I could go in there. So I moved A&P from right. Windows 7, I moved them to XP, I moved them to uh, from Lotus Notes to Outlook, I moved them into the cloud and then I moved their, got rid of all their phones. So I was kind of moving them constantly right. along the, the journey of technology over the past 10 years. So I was doing all that okay. and then then podcasts came into my life and everything, everything changed.
0: So, were you working full time initially when you started doing the podcasting?
1: So I, okay, so in in amongst that time, I got married uh, and I had kids, three kids. Oh yeah, in let's five go, years. No, no, no. Let, let's
0: let okay. So let's go right back because sorry, we got we've I've been asking you too many <laughs> questions and we've forgotten the chronology of it. Okay, so you come back from England, you start doing project oh, yeah. managing for the next twenty years. How did the marrying having? Three children and all that sort of thing fit in, and and were you working for yourself? Did you take time out with the kids? Tell me all.
1: No, so what? Um, so I met my husband Dom because he was a best friend of my manager when I was working at HSBC, and okay. uh, so we just met at a pub. Um, you know, it was love at first sight. And, you know, a couple of years later oh, we got beautiful. married, but we were buying like we thought we'd buy. it just very I, I'm gonna say boring. So it, it's not like I love no. This is the life I love. But it was kind of like we want to buy a house, we want to have kids, you know, all that sort of traditional sort of stuff. And tick so all I'm the like, boxes. I, yeah, tick all the boxes. And at that stage, I was just contracting job to job, and I was like, well, I'll get a full time job to, uh, so at least my pay is um, consistent, and it's I don't have to stress about yeah. the end of a project or anything. So I got into what is now Cognizant, which is a global IT company and they were opening up in Mm -hmm. Australia. So they bought out the company I was working with. And so I I got a full-time job at Cognizant and during that time I got married and I had kids. So I went on maternity or parental leave and then I came back part-time and then had another kid and had parental leave and another kid and parental leave. So over all this, like the last, when was she born? 2010 was my first child. So from 2010 onwards I was so part-time. So years I still, have been. Yeah, 11, yeah. So I've been part-time uh, three days a week uh, and then I was juggling kids and then when I haven't juggled kids I've been juggling podcasts. So I've never really had right. that time okay. off. Right, okay, that
0: kind of, yeah.
1: Yeah. So That kind of uh, makes yeah, sense. Okay, and then
0: you get. Wow, amazing. Well, it just sounds really interesting for anyone that might be listening that has no idea what to do when they leave school. And I think that would be about uh, 50% of, of exactly. people when they finish school. It's I was all the about... same. I mean, I, I did uh, just subjects that I liked rather than subjects that were vocational leading to something. So by the time I got to the end of year twelve, I had physics, geography, English lit, you know, like this kind of really crazy kind of mixture. Um, it and, is. And, you and... know, so it's great, it's it's great for people to know that you can end up somewhere.
1: Well, I think I think and I'm very lucky in that um you know in that and and I think you as well that if you don't know what you're doing, you kind of err towards the things that you like doing. You're and so when you fall into a yeah. job, you end up falling into where your strengths are and where your passion is. You've got that real alignment, which is where I've kind of I've constantly navigated. I loved project management when I was in there and I loved IT And that's what I did. But then when a new passion, a new interest came along, I was able to pivot that. And I have to admit, I didn't have, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be where I am now without A, learning about podcasts, but B, buying a Ferrari and creating a Ferrari hire company. (laughs) Did you buy a Ferrari? Yeah, well, my husband's a car nut. Yeah, he's a car nut. So he was like, one day, just, I don't even know. I just feel like we were sitting on the lounge one night. He goes, I really want this Ferrari and how about we create a business around it and hire it out? And it's because, like, we had young kids, and so we were like, well, we can't yeah. drive it ourselves. The kids yeah. not fit into it. No. But, yeah, let's let's do this business entrepreneur thing. And because he worked full-time and I was part-time and, I you know, I, I had two days up my sleeve with the young kids, but they were in daycare and stuff like that. So, that, yeah, you know, it was later on yeah. before they started primary. But um, I was like, yeah, two days a week I can – let, let me see what this entrepreneur thing is. I never really wanted to do, be an entrepreneur. I didn't think it was for me. And yeah. so when I had this Ferrari hire company, I'm like, okay, well, what's the first thing I you do? Like, how do you, t- I had no idea. And I discovered <laughs> this little program called business school for mums. Uh, and they kind of teach you all the tricks of the trade and like all about yeah. marketing and product development and all of this stuff. And I'm, I'm in there with a lot of mumpreneurs. Um, I don't like actually that term yeah. because I've, but they were essentially mums who are like, entrepreneurial oh, women. Yeah. But they were, they were very <laughs> mum children. centered. Yeah. They were very, the, their yeah. industries were very mum centered. So they were trying, you know, baby food and this amazing nappy yeah. or things like that. And here I am is like, yeah, I've got a Ferrari high company and I just never, I didn't, <laughs> I felt like I <laughs> was never really fitting, but um, because of that Ferrari, when the podcast came along, I'm like, okay, let's market this. I understood how to be right. an entrepreneur and market the podcast, um, which I would never have known if I hadn't have had the Ferrari company. I mean, we had, we still got the so Ferrari, but we mark- closed the company.
0: But. Right. Oh, well, that's, a, <laughs> that is so out of left field. I was not expecting <laughs> that one. So talk to me about how did you market both the podcast and the Ferrari business? Like what did, what did, What did you learn that you applied when you had the podcast? Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah. So, well, to start with, I didn't know when the Ferrari company, I didn't understand about Facebook uh, ads. I didn't understand about groups, about pages. Like I, I used Facebook for personal things, but I was one of those people that just sat back and got sold to. Whereas when right. I had the Ferrari company, I'm like, okay, well, let's, what's, you know, how do we schedule posts and how do we create images for the posts? And, and, you know, we do a marketing campaign. So I would do a lot of charity events for the, with the Ferrari because okay. people would, we wanted to give back a lot. Uh, so I would do these dignity drives, which was all about um, getting personal uh, feminine hygiene products. And I would use oh, the Ferrari. For Michelle
0: Courtney. From, yes. from Share the Dignity. Yes. Share the Dignity. So I oh goodness. I, was, I love so during, that. That's, she's yeah. another member of She's the Boss.
1: So it was great. So I would use the Ferrari to drive around mm-hmm. and instead of people having to put their products into Dropbox, I would collect it in the yeah. Ferrari and then deliver it oh, to wow. a single venue. And so I, I did that about two or three times. I connected. And I, it was all about the connecting with the community and so I would, you know, we've got the Inner West Mums Network that I was using and, uh, you know, working with, and just, just I use the Ferrari was the avenue to get into um, a wider audience. And a lot of things. I realised, yeah, <laughs> there's marketing. There's the traditional marketing of you know, being on Facebook and promoting it and all that sort of stuff. But there's also the work that you do on the side, like the charity stuff that will, you can mm-hmm. also, it's kind of marketing, but it's, uh, it's a feel good for me. It's a feel good marketing. Like it's a way to use and it's building awareness. my product. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, hmm. About my product and also about a charity, a very good charity. So, um, yeah. yeah. So I and learned so about I have that put, kind of I, thing.
0: Cool. So I have to put on my PR hat and say, did the Ferrari get you a whole lot of publicity? I bet you were featured in the local paper and
1: I various was...
0: newspapers. They would have loved it.
1: I know, yeah. So the first year they were like, oh, what's what's this? And so the next time we did it, we actually had a photographer come out and uh, they did a little yeah. article on it and stuff. So I really did see that um, the power of that PR and uh, what it could yeah. potentially mean. I mean, in, in the end, the Ferrari hire company became too busy That's why we shut it down. We were like,
0: nice problem to have now. I know. We were like,
1: on the weekends, we were having to deliver it. And then during the week, when I was working or I had the kids, I couldn't deliver it. So my husband would have to. And he couldn't, you know, he had work as well. So it just became too, too busy. So we kind of. But I love it that you got to keep it. Yeah, we got to keep it. (laughs) Actually, it's going to come up on the market. Dom wants to trade it in. But uh, yeah, it's still there. And, uh, uh, but yeah, so that, the, the, the Ferrari it was an important part of my entrepreneur journey because, yeah. otherwise, I think I would have just started a podcast and just dwindled into the ether. I would have just disappeared. But because so what I have had, you done?
0: I'm, I'm interested to know what have you done to promote the podcast other than social media posts, or has that talking. been the whole strategy? What have you done?
1: Oh no. Uh, So I find it's more the collaboration side of things. So after I started the podcast, within about six weeks, I quit my job at Cognizant and ended up working at an engineering think tank that's connected to Sydney Uni. And I just delved into all about promoting engineers and promoting this wider STEM stories. Like I, in that- those first few weeks of the podcast, I discovered this whole new area about STEM and advocacy and the importance of diversity within STEM and all these different conversations that- That's right. It's very
0: topical.
1: Yeah. I just had my, I must've had my head in the sand. I had no idea. (laughs) And the podcast really opened my eyes. And so from a marketing perspective, I, I was very fortunate to work for the Warren Center and, um, which right. is a think, which is a think tank that's connected very strongly with the Sydney university faculty of engineering. And I was able to work on projects where I was working with other engineers all about promoting that. And I was working with some, um, a, a gun marketing person who really showed me the power of newsletters and just that whole collaboration. So yes, you, you kind of, I always see marketing, especially social media marketing, that's your window dressing. They're, they're the things that are shiny lights that you want to get people to come in and then yeah. you've got your product in there. So you need to make it all nice and you need to talk to your customer. You need to uh, offer collaborations, offer projects that will showcase the work that you're doing. And the podcast, when you think of a, a, a shop front, the podcast is actually your gift with purchase. So it's something that you give freely that keeps your work top of mind so that it will then channel into what your bigger message is or what your bigger product is. And that for me is all about STEM advocacy. So I've learned – like that first two podcasts, the first podcast in that first three or six weeks, I discovered the power of podcasts in that it can change Mm. lives. Like I'm the perfect case studies of how a podcast can change lives. And I think if I was to create enough in this space, then this will reach people and it will, it can potentially change. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Um, Okay, so now I'm going to ask you some sort of interesting questions, I think. One being, have there been any women who've helped you along the way? So the reason that I ask this is this is a show for female entrepreneurs and female founders, and it's always nice if there are women who have helped you to be able to do a shout-out about them. But you have worked in a very male-dominated industry, so I'm interested to know, have you come across some amazing women that have given you a leg up in business?
1: Yeah. So uh, since my podcasting day, so I almost have Melanie pre-podcasting and post-podcasting. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and so before that, when I was in IT, there wasn't. I I really did struggle because I didn't know to look for mentors. I didn't know I was using a lot of the men that I mm-hmm. worked with as models, role models, and they were all five, six days yeah. a week. I couldn't, I couldn't connect with that too much. Uh, so when I started the podcasting. Yeah. When I was on my journey on my own, uh, that was very much, you know, not so much I was learning the tricks of the trade. When I started Ramilly Media last year uh, or late last yeah. year, I, I knew that I wanted to have a connection with an audience. I wanted to not be the only person banging the drum about Ramily. So I reached out to my network and I created an advisory committee. And this is oh, yeah. with four women who have all – Influenced or or I admire, uh, so they've either influenced me or they're admi- I ad- I greatly admire them. So one of them is she's a STEM advocate and Felicity Fury, and she okay. has she's doing amazing things. So she's been an, she's an engineer, and but she's all about STEM advocacy, and so she's created two not for profits. She's got her own engineering leaders company now as well. So uh, sorry, she what does she call it? She's she's got a, a leadership program for. STEM uh, people in the STEM industry as well. So she's yeah, working right. in that space. Uh, there's a lady called uh, Fiona Mahoney who she is on the board of the Warren Center, and I and she's like she was the token female, but she's just amazing, and uh, I just loved having my conversations with her. So I've kind of really um, I wanted to bring her on from her perspective. Yeah, and then Carly Nimmo is an incredible podcasting woman. And she's been in right. the radio for 20 years. And when I was still be with an engineer, she mentored me to, when I changed it to engineering heroes, she was there. So she's she's just this crazy, amazing lady uh, who right. just knows her shit and yeah. is able and gives it out. Like she just gives it. So I was like, you have to be on my advisory board as well. So you can just enjoy the journey with me from this, you know, from that vantage point of just, help guiding me, but also getting the kudos of being here from day one on the advisory board. And I've got a new one as well on my advisory board called Lenka. And she's um, an American nuclear engineer who is so passionate about (laughs) engineering, saving the world. And she's created her own company with her partner is also a nuclear engineer. And they're all about communicating and, uh, she's very strong in engineering communication and such. So I've just, I've really surrounded myself with those four strong women at the very beginning of Ramley media. And, um, yeah. And so I'm just, I love having them. I'm not, I'm I'm going to say at my beck and call, but just having them at my back. I was going
0: to say, what do you do with them as your advisory board? Do you meet with them once a month, once a week? How does it sort of work? it's,
1: It's very early days. So we meet quarterly. Officially. Okay. Um, so we've only had like two or two meetings, three meetings. And so yeah. the first one was like, this is welcome aboard. And the second one was like, I've launched a website. And then we had another one, which is like, now I have money coming out and I need money coming in. So they're kind of helping me out in that respect. Right. Um, and, and how have yeah. you
0: monetized the podcast? I'm interested to know.
1: Well, so monetizing Ramly. So podcasts are free, but as I said, they're an important yep. part of. Um, aligning a a company's message with uh, STEM or, or, sorry, with their key message. So they become a –
0: advocate. Authority. Kind of yeah. No,
1: I was thinking yeah. a different A word. Authority. They, when you, okay. like I, I have an engineering podcast or I had engineering heroes and people would think I was the authority in engineers. I'm like, I'm not even an engineer, but because I talk to so many engineers, I have a voice now about it. I have an opinion right. about that area. So. Podcasts are a powerful tool to build a company's authority in a certain space. And so I, so one way of monetizing Ramly is through creating podcasts for some, for companies who want to oh, build okay. a voice. Yeah. So I, I, I do that. Um, that's one of the products I offer. The other one is I create podcasts as well. So I have so many ideas about different podcasts. So STEMology is, is um, a weekly news about all things science, technology, engineering, and maths. And I've got two amazing hosts okay, who cool. love talking about. Well, at the moment, we seem to be on poo. The latest but, you know, news. <laughs> the latest news seems to be around bats and bat poo. But anyway, but that just <laughs> evolves. And also Mars. Everything comes in space. But they seem to. They love talking about this. And so they we pick about four topics every week, and they talk about that. But I can from monetization, I can sell ad space on that. And the other podcast I have launching is Pitch Your PhD, which uh, the host is Dr. Catherine Ball, and she's an amazing STEM advocate as well. And she is just so on board with Team Ramily in that she's out there promoting it for me. She's uh, connecting with universities about the program, and she's going to be talking to PhD students past or present to influence the future. And uh, so that's what she's going to be working on. And so these are shows that I can sell airtime with. Or I can also sell sponsorship of Ramily itself in that, you know, people can pay, you know, pay Ramily and we'll promote them across all our shows as well. Uh, Across
0: the networks, yeah. Across the networks.
1: So they're kind of the streams of revenue for Ramily Media. Okay. Interesting.
0: Thank you for sharing that. So, um We haven't got too long left, but I'm interested to know about the entrepreneurial journey. So this is either the Ferrari or what you're (laughs) doing with Ramily. Have there been any moments where you have just kind of thought, oh, my God, what are we going to do? That is not what, you know, like it feels like a disaster at the time. Look back and you kind of go, actually, it was pretty cool because it sent me in this other direction. Have you had anything like that happen?
1: Um. Is that, okay, so – oh, yes. Pivotal yeah, okay. moments
0: is what I'm looking for. It was, this
1: is a very big pivotal moment. So I launched Be With An Engineer and I thought it was such a cool name. I loved it and I thought it was so fun, just, you know, this imagery of two people sitting around a pub chatting with an engineer. Yeah. And then – in episode, when I was recording episode four, so very early days, I spoke to my first female engineer who is, she was, she's amazing. It's like, she's the COO of this environmental firm, engineering firm. So she's really high up. I can't believe how I got her so early. And she kind of said, to me, she put me. She made me realize that there's a lot of issues in STEM, like diversity issues. Yes, um, yes, and how engineers are fighting for the climate to improve the climate, and all these, all these amazing. It opened up my eyes, basically. Uh, Mary Stewart was her name, and so she made me realize that there's more, there's more potential with the podcasts than just fun chatting over a beer. And right. I thought, okay, from that day on, I sort of said every podcast episode, uh, this whole podcasting is 50-50 male and female. I'm not going to spotlight any right. particular male or female. Well it's just going to – every episode is going to go male, female, male, female. And I've maintained right. that. Yeah. And – then I started thinking. Then I discovered that we needed to influence not just the adult community who listen to podcasts. We need to influence the kids, students, the kids, yeah, like the ones they had no idea. So I and this is uh, this is where I came into Felicity because she's all about promoting STEM to uh, and engineering to students, kids. yeah. And I kind of realized I need to change the name because be with an engineer isn't working. Like I can't introduce it's very adult and it's
0: very blokey.
1: It's very adult and bloke. Exactly. And I couldn't, it just, it wasn't feeling right. And, but I was going on, I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know, I didn't want to change. Like it it was, it's a great brand. It's, 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 Mm. it was very strong, but um, I had lined up some NASA engineers to go on the show and wow. I was so excited. They were like, yes, we'll take, we'll give you four. And I'm like, I just wanted one, but they're giving me four, like <laughs> the whole month of four. content. I'll take them. And we were negotiating it and it was going really well. And I still remember I was on my way to TEDx in Sydney. So I had a day off. I was going with some friends. We were going to TEDx. And I was on the ferry into the city and I get this phone call from NASA and saying, or maybe I got an email. I got an email from NASA saying, oh. Because of the connection with beer, we're not able to support. Legal will not allow us to give you engineers to talk with. Oh, and gosh. I was devastated. I'm like at this f- fairy wharf going, what the F am I going to do? I call up Dom and I'm like, right, I'm changing the name. I'm changing the name right now. I'd been tossing up this engineering hero's name and maybe doing a spin-off and a, being arming and ahhing, but I'm like, right, because of this, I'm changing the name. And because I changed the name, oh, my God, it's, it's almost like it got a shot of adrenaline, the podcast. I didn't end right. up getting NASA back, but I was able to start promoting it to schools. Within six months, I had essentially sold the podcast to Engineers Australia. Because I was able to, I also coincided that with the World Engineering Convention. So there's this massive global engineering body and I was doing work with them and I was promoting engineers now on a global scale and it was all about engineering heroes. And so from that one devastating moment when NASA said no, I... I just pivoted and it was the best thing I did. Like oh, I did, that I is going.
0: so brilliant to hear. <sighs> oh, it was
1: amazing. And did you like, get I, your
0: NASA people in the end? Did they come back I on didn't. as an engineering hero? You didn't. I didn't.
1: Well, no, because I what I ended up doing was I focused, there was a, a convention coming up and I really focused a lot of my marketing around the World Engineering Convention and so I did like a mini-series for them um, for Engineering Heroes and then I started com- talks with Engineers Australia and they kind of picked it up before I had a chance to go back to to NASA and and look for guests, right? And so I never actually ended up going there, but I ended up doing. We did speak to engineers who are in the Australian space area, and so I, I've hosted. I've been the MC for some panel discussions with space engineers and and all that stuff. And I do love that area. What a cool it's such life just, you have! <laughs> it's, just, it's just talking to people. It's amazing. Just just the just talking. I think I would. I think I would wither away now if I didn't have that opportunity to just talk to so many different people. Uh, like now I've just finished up, Dom and I have just wrapped up our three-year stint as hosts on Engineering Heroes. Right. And um, I'm, I'm so – I know. And I, I wanted to give it to – Engineers Australia will – I'll still work on it hopefully um, yeah. as a producer, but the host, it, it will give them a different voice. Uh, yeah and such. And we essentially Dom was volunteering for three years and it was starting to, uh, get exhausting. And he wanted to talk more about, he wanted to create another podcast. And I just know you can't do multiple podcasts without dedicating a lot of time. So he's tossing up some more ideas about what he wants to do podcasting wise. So, uh, yeah, so I kind of, we've wrapped up that journey now and I'm conscious that I want to keep talking to engineers. And so that's why I'm like, Ramley, please. You've got it, Ramley Media. I've got to do this. I want engineers to come to me so I can actually be involved in more of those conversations. I don't want to lose my finger on that pulse. Yeah, uh, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I feel like Ramley is going to be the way that I can do that and just be involved in those conversations because they're they're freaking fascinating. They're so fascinating well, I, and I exhilarating. To,
0: yeah, I have to agree. Just from the podcast that I'm doing, what I'm learning and the people I get to know and And the inspiration I get from hearing what people like you have been up to, it's just great. It just really sets you up and and I absolutely adore it. Now, talk to me about three young kids. Well, I don't know how old your kids are now. Well, under 10 because I think you said the first one was was 10. Um, Running a podcast, doing a bit of project managing, having the Ferrari business, um, which I know you don't have at the moment, but managing a Ferrari and (laughs) a husband. Talk to me about that juggle. Um, lots of women that I speak to, um, have burnt out. I've, I, I cannot believe how many women have burnt out actually. Like it's it really thriving themselves to that extent. But one of the things I'm really interested in is do you carve out time to be with the family or do you, does it all kind of merge together and it just depends what's happening that day? Are you so strict I, with your boundaries?
1: Yeah, I, I need to, it's definitely an area I need to work on and, uh, <laughs> and it does ebbs and flows. So I once had a pod, like I was once interviewed a few years ago and I was like, yes, I get up and I do this. And then I go back to the kids and it just, that lasted maybe six months. But so <laughs> what well, I'm very conscious future self, you know, when I'm listening back to this in a six months time, it's probably completely different to what I, <laughs> I've mentioned, but, <laughs> um, I am, I'm very lucky in that the kids are now in all, they're all in school. So yep. that in itself was Makes a, a bit difference. of a yeah that was a huge release when the youngest started. So they they they're ten nine and seven, mm-hmm. uh, and I've got a dog as well. So he's like my fo- he's he's my favorite child sometimes, and <laughs> and a uh, husband. yeah, and the was husband. Yeah, of children, <laughs> well my husband yeah he's actually I'm I feel like I I got very lucky here, and I don't want to say it's lucky. I think it's a, <laughs> right, but he's he's very much. Uh,
0: a hands on. Contributor, yeah, he's hands yeah, on. Right, like
1: right. I, at one stage, I, I, I'm not good with food. Food is one of my worst areas. <laughs> I don't have a natural touch with it, um, and I don't like food. You know, it's just it's a real issue with me. I'm going through therapy, working it out. But it <laughs> <Right>. is. <laughs> but at one stage, I was doing all the lunch orders. I was sorry. I was doing all the lunches and having to do all the dinners, and I was running podcasts, and I was working three days a week, and I'm like. I've had enough. No. I've just, yeah. I just, big fat no. And Dom, who is, he is very, he loves food. He's, you know, he could be a chef. He's just got that natural flavor yeah. and whatever it is that that thing that I don't have. Um, he's got it. I'm, and he goes, yeah, I'll take it. So he now does lunches, and I'm sitting there on the lounge now at night, going, I should probably get up and help with the lunches, but I'm like, no, fuck. Or- I do, <laughs> I, or I could stay here and enjoy five minutes of calm. But he, so he. I yeah he completely does the lunches and but I still take a lot of the mental load in that I'm connected to all the school apps so I'm managing all that Uh, like I'm signing all the forms but then when something comes in like one of our eldest our eldest has been invited to a high school to do these maths games and things. And it's not a day where I have to go into, I've got meetings. Uh, there's one day I work at Sydney uni. So I have to be at uni on that day. Yeah. And this is the day that she's meant to be at this school. And it's a great opportunity for her. And I'm like, I, I can't do it. He goes, no, I'll do it. What are the times? And he'll just do it.
0: And yeah, yeah, and then
1: I'm like, well, then we've got AFL. So I also organise all the activities. I'm like, well, I've got AFL and we've got USH and we've got the babysitter. He goes, Yeah, I'll do all that. Dorry. And so he'll just take over. So
0: so do you have sort of evenings? So great that you're sharing the load. More what I'm interested in though is do you give yourself breaks? So do you finish work at six (laughs) o'clock and go, right, that's it. Time for the family and weekends, or how does that work?
1: No. I'm just gonna end that out. No, I um I, there, there will be, so I'll, I am currently in the whole Melanie, get off your ass and get active again. Oh. Uh, I used to do triathlons and oh stuff. I need to stuff, do a Jules so, get off
0: your ass moment yeah. too.
1: <laughs> so I, I literally, I'm in week two right now of a personal trainer and a dedication right. to do at least half an hour of activity to, you know, I don't care what active, walking, running, weights, whatever. So she's working with this. My is working with me and I'm scheduling it in. So we'll see how that goes. But, um, yeah, so I'm kind of, I do half an hour, you know, first thing in the morning and I try not to be too rude in the morning, like not 5.30 like I used to do. So maybe right. 6.30 up and around. Um, and then I sit down, I've I've carved out, I, I when COVID hit, one of my kids, like we've got a three bedroom house. So most of the kids were, the kids were all in together and yeah. I had a study dedicated to my office and it was a, it was a great use of the, a dead space, um this room. And, but with COVID, we ended up moving the eldest the into her own yeah. room so that she wouldn't kill the other two. And so I'm like, I need an office space. So I just took half the lounge room. I set it up. I've got these curtains that lock audio and I've got mats and all this sort of stuff down. So I've carved off a space and that's mummy's study and right. I'm in there most of the day if I'm not on client side. And then at nighttime when the kids, like I get them all bed, you know, bath, bed, bed and whatever. Yeah. Bed, and, bath and dinner. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then about eight o'clock, because I don't like watch TV. My husband comes home and watches TV. I'll sit there with the laptop and I'll do work. I'll just work okay. until 10.30, 11 o'clock at night and then start it all over again. Right. Um, but I really enjoy it. Like it's one of those I know, things. I think
0: when it, it's a passion, it's hard to not integrate. It's it hard into to your switch life.
1: off. It's so hard to switch off. And I. And as it, long as you're not half,
0: pushing yourself too hard. I think, I think it's when I hear that, you know, people are give, getting three hours sleep and traveling and doing this and doing that. And you just think, oh, my God, when do you ever get time to switch off?
1: Yeah, and, no, I'm busy. And having
0: kids is pretty good for forcing
1: yeah, well, that on you. It does force, although I'm very conscious that when they're I'm with them, I have to be with them.
0: So yeah, totally.
1: um, like in the afternoons when I pick them up, I might still be getting phone calls and emails and I'm, you know, I might be working a little bit, but I'm kind of like, I'm very consciously putting phones to down. Yeah, yeah. And I respond to them and uh, it's, it's a juggle and I don't, I don't think I do it perfectly. Look, it just
0: gets easier and easier. I mean, I was juggling twins and and I had three boys growing up and now they're 15 and 19. It's just like, oh, my God. You know, I was saying to someone, there was something wrong with my laptop and they went, don't worry, Mum, and they went in and pulled it all to pieces and said, we've given you extra RAM and we've put the fan (laughs) closer to the whatever. And I'm like, God, you know, it's very different to those days when they were your kid's age. Okay, one last question because we're running out of time. Well, actually, I'll, I'm going to ask you two last questions. The first one is, is there a quirky fact that most people don't know about you that you'd be up for sharing? Another one, because you've told us a few.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, I haven't got it. Um, I play the saxophone.
0: Wow. Oh, so, you're a Lisa, Lisa Simpson.
1: Yes, I am. Saxophone. <laughs> um, I, I used to play it in high school and then I didn't play it. Like, I, I I remember when I finished high school, I went out and I bought a saxophone with one of my first paychecks and Mum and dad made me go and return it. I was still living at home and they're like, you are not getting that Like We had to deal with it. And when you're in high school, we're not dealing with it anymore. So, so, um, I, yeah, that they killed my dream, but then during, (laughs) (laughs) but during COVID, um, what was it Australia Day no Anzac Day they did that whole last the post in the driveway yeah. and my one of my uh, my eldest she plays the clarinet and she was getting so frustrated like she just because she wasn't able to learn as much as quickly as she wanted, especially remote. And I'm like, well, let's, I'll get a saxophone and we'll do the last post together. And so um, now that I'm an adult and mum and dad aren't can't tell me not to do anything, <laughs> I went out and I got a saxophone and I, you know, I, I had to relearn how to do it. So oh, I had about I a week. And so we were out there on the front in the driveway on Australia Day at 5 a.m. or whatever time it was, uh, Anzac Day, uh, and we did the Dude, last post. Oh, and I've been post. picking it up, yeah, the last post. <laughs> and I've <laughs> been, um, I've been learning again ever since and I've actually surpassed the grade that I was at when I was in high school uh, because it's just it's just come back to me. and so I'm like, kids, you're learning less you're learning instruments now. So I can't give them another language. I, I'm not very good with Italian. Like just, you know, just those languages drive me crazy, but I can teach them the language of music. So oh, beautiful. they all oh. learn a different language. Uh, they all learn a different instrument and they love it. And I'm dedicated to sending them to lessons. And yeah, well so done, I, all because I picked up the saxophone again a year ago.
0: <laughs> well, there you go. Um, okay. Last question is nothing to do with anything other than, and I feel like Apple should bloody well sponsor this podcast because I love my iPhone and I am all across apps. So my question to you is, Are there any business apps that you use outside? I'm not really interested in banking, email and social media. I'm going to take that as a given. Are there any other apps that you really love on your phone for fun or for business.
1: Fun. Okay. Well, fun and business are two different things. Yes. So, um, actually I've got pages set up. So, this is my high high use business which is a lot of the ones that you said like the banking and the yeah, social yeah. media and stuff. So, if I flick those ones and emails and stuff, the I could not live without the OneDrive. App the OneDrive. Okay. Um, I've got yeah, I'm Google Drive, but I I get that. Yeah, it's very much so. I have access to, and I have multiple. So I've got my home, like my the family email. I've got work email. I've got another work email. So I've got all these different things. And because of the OneDrive app, I can access documents on the fly at any time. uh, At any time, and i that's the same with um Dropbox as well. So I use the Dropbox app for client facing um documents. So yeah but just having that ability to access this information at the touch of a button for, through this one app uh, is just brilliant. So I could not live without my OneDrive and okay. to some extent Teams as well. So Teams. Um, i That's Microsoft
0: um, Teams, yeah?
1: Microsoft Teams. So using that, that's how I used to run Engineering Heroes, but i have just really coming into Slack now as okay, well. Yeah, so Slack's the Ramly yeah, team are all on Slack. And it's a great way for me to. I've just onboarded an intern, and i have just like just look through everything. And um, I've my advisory committee um, there on Slack, and I can just quickly send them a quick message going, "Hey, look what I've just done," or let me know what you're up to. And uh, Slack is a great. And I'm not getting in bud in like uh, massive emails sometimes, especially now where emails are in conversation chains, so you kind of lose.
0: Uh, yeah, it, I can't uh, put mine in those threads. I can't bear it because so I just can't find difficult.
1: anything. Exactly. I, I think it's, I find it quite difficult yeah. personally. It,
0: it's counterintuitive to me to have everything linked. I, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Okay, so two great So apps. slack. What about yeah. playing? Do you play on your oh, phone? Oh,
1: yeah. All right, oh, so. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought I
0: was, I can't tell you, I reckon only about 10% of the women that I speak to do anything fun on the phone, but oh, I am a candy crushing word with friends. Oh, uh, well,
1: my favourite one is Wordscapes. Oh, so, um, that So, And even the kids love it and it's educational. So I'm quite happy. I mean, you've got Crossy Road. The kids and I have Crossy Road races every now and then because you can do two players on Crossy Road. Uh, so we don't know do this. Crossy it, Road. It's this hopping animal thing and then you get smashed by a car. And, um, oh, and so we don't do know that. one. It's
0: Actually, it's if fun. you haven't heard of it, have you heard of Flight Control? Your kids uh, will love it. It's about guiding planes in onto runways uh, okay. and they come in, jumbo jets come in different to helicopters in terms of speed uh, and then they start happening with multiple. And then somebody brought out um, fly control uh, <laughs> and it's blow flies and you've got uh, to land them box. on the food.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, they probably would, although my husband, like Dom is so, he's like an, he hates flies, but um, yeah. yeah, word skates is word Scapes is really good because it jumbles up. Uh, it starts off with four letter words and then five and then six letter words, and it's all jumbled. And you've got to make about ten words out of this, and it works it out in a crossword oh, puzzle. So you can right. actually um, do it. So the kids and I, we sit there now, and we we're just shouting words out at each other, and uh, we're playing with it, and it's just it's so engaging for all of us all of you. and it's yeah. educational as well. Cause I'll go, it's got this dictionary thing. So I'll do a word like rain as in like a reign of terror and I'll yeah. go, what's, that's a weird word. So they'll look up and look into it and say, Oh, right. Okay. So it's educational, oh, but it's, I, I find it that. so challenging. It's, it's a bit like, um, do you know, the countdown or numbers and letters TV show where um no oh it's an abc it's (laughs) an abc
0: growing up i was always (laughs) music and drama
1: (laughs) well this is a modern one we we watch um eight out of ten cats does countdown and it's a comedian group uh like a bunch of comedians but they do maths equations and they do word jumbles and oh, okay. uh, it's on, I, I think it's like on SBS. I feel like know about
0: it, actually. I'm sure I heard about it yeah.
1: this week. Yeah, it's on SBS, <laughs> and it's all about those words. And so this Wordscapes app is exactly like that, and the kids love it. I love it. I love it. I keep oh, saying to my husband, like, I'm going to have to pay for this one because I just love it so much. <laughs>
0: all right, I'm going to have to go and download that one soon too. It's a brain right, challenge. Now, what can I say? I could keep talking to you for hours, I but I guess we do need to stop. So tell people where they can um find you what's the best way if they want to get hold of you or if they want to be on your podcast or they want to put someone forward or whatever I don't know
1: yeah so we'll just go over and check out ramily media and the website's nice and easy because it's rammily.media there's no So that's r
0: a-m e l e y isn't it
1: no, R-A-M-A-L-E-Y, Ramali, no. ramale <laughs> media yep. uh, Or you could look up Ramali on any podcasting app and you can listen to our podcasts. And, right. yeah, you can just engage through the website. There's sign-up forms or you know, mel at ramley. media. Great.
0: Right. Well, thank you so much. It's been brilliant. I have loved it. I've loved hearing your story
1: and I can't wait to share it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm looking forward to meeting you at your lunch.
0: Oh my goodness! Yes, I can't wait to see you too. This is for anyone that's listening. That's the Sydney. She's the boss lunch. It's my first one. Hopefully, yeah. the the first of a few. Well, I look forward to seeing you there. And thank you so much. Thanks, Jules. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to shestheboss.com.au.